Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. John chapter 9, I want to start reading from verse number 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither has this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must walk the work of him that sent me, while it is day. The night cometh, when no man can walk. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he has just spoken, he spat on the ground and made a clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed, and came seeing. The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him, that he was blind, said, Is not this he that was sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto unto him, How were thy eyes opened? He answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes, and said unto me, Go to the pool Siloam and wash. And I went and I washed and I received sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. They brought him, they brought, uh, they brought the Pharisees, they brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then, then, the, then the Pharisees also asked him, and he, had, uh, he that had received his sight, he said unto them, He put clay in my eyes, and I washed and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he kept not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such a miracle? And there was a division among them. They said unto the blind man again, What seest thou of him that has made that has opened thy eyes? And he said, He is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe the, uh, believe concerning him that he had be, that he had been that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parent of him that had received his sight, and they asked them, saying, Is this your son? Who ye say was born blind, now they, how then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know not, uh, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but by what means he now see, we know not. Or who has opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him. 
and he shall speak for himself. This word speak his parent because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parent, he is of age, ask him. Again they called, again, again. Then again called they, called they the man that was blind, and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, blind now I see. Then, said, then, they, uh, then they said to him again, What did he, uh, what did he to thee? Now how opened he thine eyes? He answered, he answered them, I have told you already, ye did not hear, ye did not hear. Wherefore would you hear it again? Will you also be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, Are thou his disciples? But we are Moses' disciple. We know that God spoke unto Moses. As for his as for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why daring is a why why daring is a marvelous thing that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he opened my eyes. Now, now, well, now we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshipper of God and does his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard of heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could not do any. He could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, "Thou was altogether born in sin, and and dost thou teachest us?" They, uh, and they cast him out. May the Lord bless the reading of His words in Jesus' name. Now, in the verses that we have just read, we see a very interesting encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ and this guy that was born blind. Now, before we begin to dig deep into this verse of the scripture, I just wanted to highlight something in verse number two. Verse number two of that verse tells us there. It tells us, say, and the disciples asked, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parent, that he was born blind? Okay? This question is very important because it reveals the underlying assumption that people have about the condition of other men. Okay? It's, a, it's, a, it's an assumption that people have even in that time and they still have it even in the church today. The question was that who said that this man was born blind? Is it the man or is it the, is it the parents? Somebody must have sinned for this man to have been born blind. There are those who are concerned, uh, who are convinced that there is nothing evil that will happen to them as long as they are serving the Lord. Okay? They are convinced that as long as they are serving the Lord, as long as they are coming to church regularly, as long as they live a life that is okay, everything is going to be fine. But you will notice that the consistent testimony of Scripture does not support that view. Because there are people who are consistently walking with the Lord. People that the testimony of scripture tells us that they are righteous men. But for some reason, evil still came unto them. And we all know the most popular example. And that most popular example is the example of Job. We know that the Bible even tells us that he was a righteous man. A man that hated evil. A man that excused evil. A man that would not even, he, he prayed even for the sins that he has not even committed. He prayed for it. So, you see that that particular idea, that if you are walking with the Lord, if you are serving the Lord, you are doing everything, that no evil will come near you. That is not supported in scripture. Okay? However, however, Christians suffer. And from this verse of the scripture, we see, 
that bad things happen to good people. Hmm? And, the, and that is a fact of life. The fact that you are a Christian does not mean that you are immune from bad things. It doesn't mean that life is not going to happen to you. It doesn't mean that things are not going to, you are not going to run into an accident. Okay? It doesn't mean that life, things are going to be, you know, things are going to be all smooth for you. Alright? Life is going to happen. The fact that you are a Christian, the fact that you fasted, the fact that you are praying, the fact that you do all sorts of things, bad things happen. The reason is very simple. We live in a fallen world. And because we live in a fallen world, bad things do happen. So in chapter 3, sorry, in verse 3 of that chapter, look at the response of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus now told, told us, Jesus answered, said, Neither has this man sinned, nor his spirit, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Okay? Jesus taught his disciples that this very, very important lesson. And that important lesson is this, number one. Sin, the sin of the parent does not necessarily result in physical deformity of any man. The fact that your parent committed sin does not mean that you are going to find that you are going to find that the child will be, will be, will be born with a form of deformity. Number two, parents do not have to sin for children to be born deformed. There are people who are righteous, people who live by the rule, people who did everything by the book, and yet they still have children who are deformed. So the fact that the parents sin does not mean that they are going to have deformed children. The fact that they are righteous does not mean that they are going to have all healthy children. It doesn't follow. Okay? Yeah. And deformity is not always the result of sin. That's basically what Jesus was telling them. Deformity is not always the result of sin. And God can walk regardless of the circumstances of that individual. God can walk in regardless of the circumstances of the, of, the, of, the, of the individual. Whether you are born of sin or whether you are born of a righteous person, whatever the issues might be, God can still walk in that situation. In other words, Jesus is telling them, bad things happen to good people and God is able to change every situation regardless of the cause. That's what the Lord is telling us from that, from that verse of the scripture. Now, why are we talking about this verse number two? Why have, why have I taken time to look at this verse number two? The reason is because how you respond to number two determines how you see God. Because if you see God as a God who will punish you, you know, who will punish the, who will, who will, who will, who will, who will visit the iniquities of the unborn, who will visit some iniquity on a child, will visit deformity on a particular child, then you, it, it affects the way you, it affects the way you relate to God. It affects the way you walk with God. It affects your faith in God. It affects your picture of the Almighty God. Okay? So what, you know, how you respond to that particular question of who sinned that this man was born blind? If the way you respond to that question will determine how you see God, determine how you walk with God, determine even how you will behave in prayer. Okay? Now, what is the danger? Because if you begin to look at God in that light, what will happen is that you begin to associate sin and every unfortunate situation with the Almighty God. Because you begin to see God as the author of all these terrible things in the life of people. Now, what is the danger of associating sin with every unfortunate situation? Because there are things that you, you, you will notice. You remember there was a time when there was a, a big opera after the 20, uh, 2005 uh, Katrina issue. There was a very popular minister of God that said it was because of the sins of the people. That was why that they had that particular issue. I don't know whether it's true or not, but that particular thing received a lot of media. Alright? Now, if you have that kind of mindset where you associate sin with every unfortunate situation, what does that, what is the danger that is involved in that? 
The first danger of associating sin with every unfortunate situation in life is number one, you blame God for every evil. And the Bible makes us to understand that God is not the author of evil. Okay? So you blame God for every evil. Number two, it forces us to give, to, to view salvation as work. In other words, if I'm a good person, nothing bad will happen to me. Only bad thing, only bad thing will only happen to bad people. And then you see yourself as morally superior to people who are suffering some unfortunate situation. Somebody has cancer, you say, well, it's because of the way they have been living in the past, that's why they have cancer. But that doesn't follow. You see people who have lived, who have maintained a strict dietary life, a life of purity, and yet they still have cancer. So when you associate evil, when you associate sin with, uh, with terrible things that happen to other people, number one, you blame God for every evil. Number two, it forces you to see salvation as war. Number three, it creates a sense of pride in the Christian. You begin to see that, yes, if everything is going on well with me, it means that, yes, I must, I must be doing something right. I must be in the good books of the Almighty God. And that is what is also happening in the prosperity gospel. Because some people see that, yes, as long as I have a big money, as long as I can show for it, I am blessed, then God must be on my side. But that is not, it does not, it does not follow. The fact that you are doing well does not mean that God is in support of what you are doing. It doesn't also mean that God is against you. It's just not a measure of God's approval in the life of an individual. So when we associate, when we associate sin with unfortunate situation number four, it relegates grace and mercy to the background. Because like you know, if you notice anytime we pray here, we say, Father, we thank you because of your mercy over our life. There are people who are in the hospital right now who are feeding through tubes. They are there not because we are better. It's not because we are better than them. It's not because we know how to pray. It's not because we are more righteous. It is the grace of God upon our lives. Now, when you now begin to associate sin with unfortunate situation, you are trying to say that I am righteous and this man is a sinner. And because that person is sinner, that's why he's suffering the way he's suffering. And because I'm righteous, that's why I'm not sinning. That's why I'm not in the hospital. That's why I'm not in, the, I'm not in an unfortunate situation. When we have that mindset, it relegates, it relegates grace and mercy to the background. It lifts up ourselves as the work that we're doing. That we are enjoying the blessings of God because we deserve it. And that is a very dangerous place for a Christian to be. Number five, when you associate sin... With every unfortunate situation, it creates bitterness and anger when calamity finally strikes. Because when you see yourself as, yes, I'm a righteous child, I have not been promiscuous, I have not been, I have not been involved in any form of debauchery, I've been living a pure life, and all of a sudden, cancer strikes. Pow! And when cancer strikes, what happens? You begin to wonder, say, why God? Why me, Lord? I've been living a very nice life. I've been a good boy. I've been attending church. I've been singing the choir. I even give my tithes. I make sure I calculate it very to the last penny. I make sure I don't cheat you. And when I'm late, I put the 5% on top of it that Leviticus asked me to do. So I do everything the way you want it done. So what happened, oh God? It creates bitterness when you see, when you equate sin with unfortunate situation. Associating sin with every evil situation is very, very dangerous for a christian having said that let's now look at the entire you know let, let's now look at the encounter of christ with the man that was born blind and the leaders of the jews if you look at that verse of the scripture that we read uh, john chapter 9 reading from verse 1 again you will find out that there are so many things that are happening there reading through this verse you will see number one jesus met the man that was born blind jesus healed the blind man 
what got out that man was blind and the, you know, that, that, that the blind man has been healed and, the, heal, and the, the man that was healed was brought to the temple for questioning by the Jewish leader. The Jewish leaders were presented with the evidence and the eyewitness testimony, yet the leaders refused to acknowledge the miracles. They simply refused to acknowledge it because they don't like the guy that did it. Okay, Just because they didn't like the Lord Jesus Christ, they refused a miracle that they are looking at. I don't, want to, I don't want to make the comment that I want to make, but I just leave it alone there. So they refuse to acknowledge even the miracle that took place, even when they're looking at the evidence. When they finally acknowledge the miracle, they refuse to give Christ the credit. They say, oh, that we know that this guy is a sinner. Just give glory to God. Give glory to God. Don't mind this guy who is a sinner. Okay? So when they finally acknowledge that there was a miracle that took place, they refuse to, to acknowledge that, give credit to Lord Jesus Christ. And then finally, when they fail to get the man, get the man that was healed, when they fail to you know, get him to play according to their own rule, what happened? They kicked him out of the temple. When the guy refused to play their game. When the guy refused to chastise the Lord Jesus Christ, when he refused to play the game that they were playing, they said, okay, since you don't want to play with us, we are going to kick you out of the temple. Now, you see, the point that I'm trying to get to here is this. You see that truth is a very, very difficult thing to manipulate. And facts are very, very stubborn. Very, very stubborn. This man was born blind. Everybody knows him because he's been sitting down there begging for money. So they know him. And you know that he's blind. And somebody came from nowhere, spat on the ground, took the, took the, uh, took the clay, put in his eyes, asked him to go and wash his face. He washed his face, he came back, you could see. That is a clear evidence of something. You can't argue with it. So facts and truth can be very difficult, and facts are very stubborn. Now, when people are not interested in the truth, facts become irrelevant. The facts can be looking at them at least in their face like this. But as long as they are not interested in the truth, fact is irrelevant. Number two, when people have a hidden agenda, facts become irrelevant. If you have something else that you want to prove, if you have something else that you are pursuing, if you have something else that you are are going for, no matter the amount of facts that you are presented with, no matter how glaring the evidence are, you will see that you are not interested in that because it does not line up with the agenda of what you are pursuing. And that is what is happening here to these particular religious leaders. They were not interested in the Lord Jesus Christ. They were looking for every opportunity to discredit him. They are looking for every opportunity to put him down. They are looking for every opportunity to deny even the glorious spirit of the Almighty God that was evident in his life. So, what you will see is that when people have a hidden agenda, truth, you know, facts becomes irrelevant. Number three, when people want to have their way, facts becomes irrelevant. In other words, when they have something that they are going for, there's something that they are targeting, there's something that they want to achieve, there's something they want to accomplish, no matter the amount of fact that you present before them, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't, they, don't, they don't care about it. It's just like a young girl or a young boy that's in love. No matter how you tell that boy, this girl is not good for you, or they tell the girl, this boy is a, is a trouble for you, you can yes. talk about it from now till tomorrow. And like the people, some of the people will say, you can say it until you turn blue in the face. That girl or that boy will continue to do it. And that is because they are interested in having their way. So regardless of the facts that you present, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's, not interest, it's not relevant to them. Facts become irrelevant when you want to have your way. Number four, people who 
When people don't like the direction that the evidence is pointing, fact becomes irrelevant. When you don't like the direction that the conversation is going, when you don't like the direction that something is pointing, you will find out that you say, no, 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 no. Whatever fact you present, it doesn't make sense. When people have made up their mind on what they want the truth to be, the fact becomes irrelevant. When they have made up their mind that this is what I want the truth to be. They say truth is what I want it to be. When they have made up their mind that this is what truth should be, regardless of the fact that you present before them, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to them. They will refuse to accept it. The Pharisees and the leaders of the Jews did not, did not like what they were hearing. They did not like what they were seeing. They did not like the miracle that was taking place. They did not like the evidence that was presented before them. Even they brought the parents of a man who was 40 years old just to say, is this your son? Just to be able to discredit what they did not want to hear. So the Pharisees and the leaders of the Jews did not like what they were seeing or what they were hearing. So the facts on the ground became useless and irrelevant. Regardless of what they were looking at. It became irrelevant to them. Okay? The same thing can happen to us today. The same thing can happen to us as a believer. The same thing can happen to us as a church. The same thing can happen to us as a family. Okay? The same thing can happen to us as a society. The same thing can happen to us as a nation. Because what you find is that when you are looking at the fact in front of you, and then you keep blaming somebody, a man who refused to walk, and continue to blame another person that is the source of his own trouble, you know that that person, regardless of the fact you present, that person will keep arguing, because he doesn't want to accept the truth that is on the ground. A student, you have said this before, when a student gets A, he say, I get A. I got an A in this class. When the student get a C, he said the teacher gave me a C. Okay? Yeah. He, never t- he never tells you that he walked and he got a C. He said, oh, the teacher gave me a C. Right. But if I got an A, he said, I got an A. Right. The issue is that many of us don't want to face the fact when we don't like the results that we're seeing. Right. So, the same thing happens to us on an individual level, on an individual basis. If we are living a life contrary to the will of God and refuse to change, we will not like the fact that we're seeing. Somebody's asking for the miracle of God. He refuses to pray. And yet he's not praying, he's not blaming God that God, why are you not hearing my prayer? You are not praying. You are not living right. You are not doing what you're supposed to do. You are not following the spiritual laws that will lead to prosperity or lead to health or lead to happiness. You are not doing any of those things and yet you expect God to visit you. So the idea is that if we are living a life that is contrary to the will of God, many of us will end up, the the, 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 the reality that we're seeing, we won't like it and we will not like to admit it. If our job, our house, our family are not where they are supposed to be, and we don't want to fix the problem, we will refuse to accept the facts that are presented before us. If our finances are upside down and we refuse to cut the credit card, what you will find is that the result and the reality of the credit cards, we will not like it, we will not want to accept it. And so those people are disturbing me. As if you are not the one that spent the credit card. <laughs> as if you are not the one who spent the money. But you keep, you, you keep making comments as if these people just pick out your name from nowhere and they just focused on you and they started calling you. Is there not a reason why they are calling you? There are 300 million people. Why is it that you are the only one they picked up on? Something, you know, there is a reason. The point is that when we don't want to, when we don't want to change certain things about ourselves, you find out that the facts that are presented before us, we don't want to acknowledge them. Yeah. When we refuse to see or acknowledge the facts, what, what, then, what, 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 what happens to us? When you refuse to see facts, when you receive to, or refuse to accept the truth that is glaring, that is facing you, what do you find? You find that people try to do funky things when they don't want to accept the fact. The first thing they try to do is they try to silence 
the fact bearers. The man that is telling you that the king is naked, that is the person that they want to kill. Because they don't like the story that the king is naked. So what? <laughs> you, want, you want to make sure that you silence that particular, uh, the fact bearer. Number two, when we don't like the fact, what we try to do is that we try to intimidate the person that is giving us that fact. Look at verse number 20 of that verse of uh, John chapter 9, reading from verse number 20. Verse number 20 said that, His parent answered and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means? He now said, we know not. Or who has opened his eyes, we know not. For he is of age. Ask him. He shall speak for himself. Look at verse number 22. These words speak his parent. Uh, this words speak his parent because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed, uh, agreed already that, that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. So when people don't want to accept the fact, the first thing they do is that they try to silence the fact bearer. Number two, they try to intimidate the fact bearer. Number three, they try to re-examine and re-examine and re-examine the fact until they see what they want. When you start analyzing, 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 analyzing the same fact, you keep turning it around until you see what you want. And that is why they say statistics is a very, very interesting science. It all depends on how you interpret the numbers. Because the statistic, you can look at the same statistic and interpret it three. If five people are looking at the same figures, they can interpret that figures in five different ways. It depends on your, it depends on your motivation for looking at that figures. So, you will re, when you don't want to accept the fact, you re-examine, re-examine, and re-examine the fact until you see what you want. And that is what you see in verse number 27 of this chapter. Verse number 27 says, the Bible tells us there, and he answered them, I have told you already, and you did not hear. Wherefore would you hear it again? Will you be also be his disciples? When the, when the, when the blind man was talking to them, you say, you have asked me this question over and over and over again. What else do you want me to tell you? I'm blind, I can see. This is the guy that did it. What's the story? You know, the same thing. When people don't want to accept the fact, they keep analyzing and analyzing and analyzing until they find one simple thing that they can lash onto. And that's why they say in the Beltway that the problem in the Beltway is that it's not actually what is done. It is how it is presented. And that's why a man like Skudalibi spent some time in jail. Because not what he did, but how he, did, how he said what he did, you know. How he presented what he did. So the idea is that when you don't like the results, you re-examine, re-examine until you find it. Number four, when we don't like the facts that we are seeing, we redirect the attention to say something else so that we can ignore that particular fact. Look at verse number 24. Verse number 24. The Bible tells us there, And then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. The idea is this, as long as you focus on the miracle, as long as you focus on the fact, you know that Jesus was the one that did that miracle, if you focus on the fact. But because they don't like the idea that Jesus is the one that did miracle, and that people were going to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, they called the guy and said, wait, 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 look at the big picture here. Don't worry about the man that did the miracle, focus on God. It is God that you should give all the praise. The idea is that if you don't want to accept the fact that you are looking at, you try to redirect the attention of people so that you can obscure the fact that you're looking at. Number five, when we don't like the facts that we're looking at, we put up a false appearance by pretending to be more noble by pointing to a larger picture. That same verse number 24. Instead of looking at mere Jesus Christ, a man that is, that is just a mere mortal, you should be looking at the almighty God. It is what is called redirection. 
and you notice that if you have ever worked with kids or you have ever worked with a manipulative, uh, manipulative person, you will notice that anytime you're about to get them, what happens is that they try to redirect you to something else. Take your attention away from it. If they have done something wrong and you are trying to focus on that thing, they push your attention somewhere else. If you have ever seen a game of cards that is played on the table, it's a game of redirection. Because if you don't, fo- if, if, they, if, they, if, you, if they are able to succeed in making you to focus on the wrong thing, then they can go ahead and do something else on the background. Did they, anybody who does not, is not interested in fact, that person makes sure that they push you away, give you a false appearance by pretending to be more noble and pointing you to something else. Number five or number six, when you do not like to see, when you don't like the fact that you are saying, you pretend. Okay, sorry. We refuse logical explanation by asserting our authority. Look at verse number 30. Verse number 30, when that man was giving them a logical, uh, giving them a logical argument, telling them that, have you ever heard of a sinner who has healed the sick? Have you ever seen of him? Have you ever heard of a man who healed a someone, who healed someone who was born blind? The blind man was giving them a logical argument, but because they were not interested in the fact, they were trying to do what? They were trying to, uh, you know, they were, they, they were trying to, they refused logical explanation and asserted their authority. Look at verse number 30. Verse number 30 tells us, And the man, answer, the man answered and said unto them, why hearing, uh, why hearing is a marvelous thing, that you know not from whence he is, and, and yet he opened my eyes. Now, we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and does his will, he, he, him he heareth. Since the world began, it, was, it not, was it not heard that any man opened the, man of, the eyes of one that was born blind. If this man was not of God, he could do nothing. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening. Mm